circle, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high. All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, I'll give you an update from the Antioch police text message scandal um, officers were subpoenaed to testify today, and um, I'll tell you what happened there. Also, I'll bring you sounds from the 16th annual BH Brilliant Minds Juneteenth, held out in West Oakland every year. And of course, I'll be asking for your support for KPFA tonight during the summer fun drive. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Free Will and Franklin, coming to you live from downtown Antioch, this is Babe Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. All right, again, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm glad to be here live on the radio coming to you from my living room. And I just wanted to give you a quick update on what happened with the Antioch police text message scandal today. I was out at the courthouse about 7.30 today, and we held a small rally as part of Reimagine Antioch, and then we flooded the courtroom. And Antioch police officers today were called to testify um, by a defense attorney, Carmela Carmagno, and also recently announced um, his retirement Dr. Stephen Ford, our police chief, also was subpoenaed to testify. And some of the things that happened today, the um, the lawyer for the police argued that the testimony um, of Chief Ford um, wasn't necessary. I actually didn't get in the courtroom for that part because the courtroom was so small, only 30 people could actually fit in there. So I didn't get to hear the testimony firsthand, but or the litigation firsthand, but Dr. Stephen Ford um, was excused for testifying. And um, this is coming after Dr. Stephen Ford, our police chief, just learned that he was also targeted in the racist text messages that the Antioch police have been um, sending back and forth to each other. In fact, they referred to our police chief who was just hired. It wasn't even announced to the public yet but only internally, and they were already sending memes of gorillas about the new police chief. Um, so I'd like to send first a big shout out to Dr. Stephen Ford um, for doing what he could while he was here. I know it must have been hard. You all know me. I am 
not one to side with the police very often, um, but Dr. Stephen Ford was someone that we held our hopes in and that he was going to do what he could. And I'm sure that he did while he was here, um, but we really hope that he would stick around and try to guide this department in the right direction. Also, what happened today was that um, attorney Carmagno brought in an expert to testify about the relation between animalizing human beings, black and brown people, the comparison to animalizing them uh, historically throughout the time since slavery. And basically the attorney, um, which I guess would be the district attorney or one of the lawyers um, for the police, tried to block that expert from giving her testimony. So really today um, was a lot of legal wrangling. And the last hour, the expert was allowed to testify and started drawing conclusions, you know, her conclusions about the messages that she saw and how it was rooted in racism and goes all the way back to the earliest days of slavery in this country. So uh, we only got about an hour of that testimony because the legal wrangling basically took up um, the first couple hours of the, of the hearing. And they have set the next date um, for late in August. I believe it was the 23rd or the 25th. So there'll be more news about that um, forthcoming. And um, we will continue to follow this story on Full Circle. And of course, Flashpoints, KPFA in general. Um, shout out to Gil, who I just heard did a great report for the KPFA Evening News. Thank you so much for doing that. And we appreciate that, um, that coverage. Real quick, I want to remind you, that we are raising funds for this great station, KPFA, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. In fact, it was the first station in the five-station network. We have Berkeley, L.A., Houston, New York, and Washington, D.C. So that's the Pacifica Radio Network. Check them out sometimes online. There's other stations out there that you can listen to. Um, but right now, we're trying to raise funds for KPFA. So if you feel it tonight and you're ready to donate to this station who's covering the Antioch police text message scandal, who's bringing you this news that you really don't get anywhere else in the um, the programming like Flashpoints, Law and the Bajita, Upfront, um, Law and Disorder. These are shows you're not going to find elsewhere. So the number real quick, 1-800-439-5732. Five seven three two. That's one eight hundred. Hey KPFA. Please call in anytime between the seven and eight o'clock hour to show your support for Full Circle. This show that we do every Friday, seven to eight p.m. Also, the most convenient way for us for you to donate is to go to kpfa.org and click on that donate tab, and um, you can scroll through all the merchandise, the books, the DVDs. Um, right there. And real quick, before we get into our first segment of the night, um, anybody that donates tonight uh, will get a recording of Daniel Ellsberg's last event with KPFA. That was in February of 2018 at King Middle School in Berkeley. And Ellsberg was speaking with KPFA former national affairs correspondent, the legendary Larry Bensky, about Ellsberg's book, The Doomsday Machine, Confessions of a Nuclear War. 
planner. And Ellsberg argues that the mere existence of nuclear weapons is a threat to all humanity. So um, check that out. If you make, you could donate $5 and you'll get that, that download. Be sure to leave your email because it will come to you in your email. So again, one more time, the number 1-800-439-5732. You can remember that by 1-800-HEY-KPFA if you like to use the phone. But again, the best way to donate is online at kpfa.org. Thank you all in advance, and I appreciate the um, love that we've got on Full Circle in the past, and I hope it comes forth again tonight, of course. Uh, But now I want to get into our first segment of the night because recently, like we do every year, um, First Voice Media, the KPFA apprenticeship program, we headed out to Oakland, West Oakland, for the BH Brilliant Minds Juneteenth Festival. And this year was the 16th annual festival, uh, Juneteenth Festival. And thank you, Barbara Howard of BH Brilliant Minds uh, for bringing that uh, event to us and always inviting KPFA and First Voice Media out to do interviews and to talk to folks and uh, especially your award winners because every year Barbara gives out awards to community leaders. So um, first we're going to kick it off with the legendary civil rights attorney john burris we see him there every year and in fact john burris is representing many of the uh folks out here in antioch that are fighting the antioch police during this text message scandal so um big shout out to john burris for doing that and i'm going to send it over to you mickey let's check out the john burris interview this was recorded um with host stevie g you can check him out on the history of funk Um, This was from the 16th annual BH Brilliant Minds Juneteenth Festival. Hit it, Mickey. All right, all right. It is June 24th, 2023. This is celebration of Juneteenth for West Oakland, the 16th annual celebration from BH Brilliant Minds. We have with us civil rights attorney, Mr. John Burris. Thank you, sir. Welcome. Well, thank you. Good to be with you. It's always a pleasure to celebrate Juneteenth out here in West Oakland. It's one of the better events that take place around the area, so I'm always honored to participate. Excellent, excellent. Well, my name is Stevie G. I'm going to be your host for a little bit here, and we're going to be bringing as much information as we can about Juneteenth to you today, as much celebration and fun, and we're going to begin just... Mr. Burris, how did you get into being a, a lawyer? What made you choose the law? What made you choose civil rights? and doing what you're doing today? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I didn't always grow up to be a lawyer, of course, but as a lawyer, I did see and read about some of the great lawyers of the day. Clinton White was a big lawyer here in the area, but I also read newspapers about Thurgood Marshall and some of the people, people, and so I always had in my own mind that maybe I could do something like that. Yes. And, And so even though I didn't start out to be a lawyer, I worked as an accountant, but when I was in Chicago, I got involved in some investigations around Ralph Metcalf, who was a congressman at the time. So I investigated police brutality cases one summer, and from there it sort of got in my blood. I decided at that moment that I wanted to do civil rights work and ultimately uh, emphasize police brutality. And so I've been doing that ever since. Many of the fans, people out may know that in 1979 there was a shooting of a 14-year-old black kid named Melvin Black. Uh, by Oakland police. I was in, called to investigate that case by the then mayor, Lionel Wilson. 
And I did that, and when I showed that the police were wrong and everyone else agreed, thought that it was a correct shooting, it sort of put me on my pathway to understand that you cannot trust the government official position, and you have to challenge those positions if you want to get to the truth of matters. All right. So you really saw the power of the legal system, using it as a tool to help protect or enforce really the, the, the Constitution, the laws that says that we're as equal as anybody else and Juneteenth is about making sure that the absolute freedom for African Americans is there as well as everybody else in the nation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the Constitution is, is, uh, is our guiding post, which I'm fundamentally ingrained in my view of the world. Although it has not always equally been enforced, we also know that because it, it depends on who's interpreting that law, really determines how effective that law is going to be. But to me, Juneteenth is important because that really is the beginning of the real civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. The war ended officially when the African Americans were f felt free and were declared to be free on Juneteenth. So for me, it was the beginning. It has been a long, 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 long struggle since then because we had to go through Reconstruction and all the stuff from there. But we're at a place now where I think the laws and the people in place allows us to enforce um, some of the laws that have been denied previously. I have been involved in cases like Rodney King case years ago. I did Tupac Shakur, Oscar Grant here, and presently I'm involved in the Antioch case here. And I, of course I did the Oakland Riders case where we, we, we represented over 40 people, 120 people who had been falsely arrested and beat up and accused of a lot of misconduct by the police. So I've had a number of cases where I've been able to bring about social change. And so the law has been a good tool for me. Uh, we all have to define the weapons that we're going to use in life. And, and I chose the law, civil rights law, as, as my area that I felt most comfortable in. So uh, it's been good for me. Excellent, excellent. So along with Juneteenth, and I was listening to something from uh, Henry Louis Gates, and he was speaking about the Emancipation Proclamation, Juneteenth. Right. But he also mentioned uh, December 6th, 1865, where the uh, 13th Amendment was actually ratified. So can you speak a little bit about the constitutional amendments again, staying in your bailiwick with the 13th, 14th, let, and 15th let me amendments? Let tell you that when, when, when we had the proclamation, uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, it did not free all the slaves. Exactly. It only freed the slaves in the states that were offending states or redeeming states. And so President Lincoln decided before uh, he didn't know he was going to die, but he wanted to make sure all the slaves were free. And so that's when they had the real effort on the 13th Amendment 14th Amendment and 15th Amendment. These were all uh, legislation that took place at a time when it was not anticipated because when Lincoln did what he did, he was really making sure that everybody got the right to vote and they were free, whereas that wasn't the rule. And, and to be honest with you, I'll tell you this, the North was not for this. They were not for the freeing of the slaves. There was a deal that was being made that if the South surrendered, they would be allowed to keep their slaves. And they went to Lincoln for Lincoln to agree to this deal. This was before the end of the war. And Lincoln said, no, I will not agree to a situation where I have asked all these colored soldiers, over 200,000 of these soldiers, to work for the North. And then as soon as the war is over, they're going to go back to being slaves. That is one thing that people don't remember what Lincoln did. He had a choice to make, and he made it. He was going to make sure that we were, that we were not going to go back to slavery. And then, of course, that's when all the effort was made uh, to make sure that the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were, were passed. Wow. So that so the Emancipation Proclamation was meant to free the slaves in those southern states. Uh, southern that was states about 500,000 slaves, I believe, it at that time. It only freed the southern states that mm -hmm. were in, in war and rebellion, as he said. 
but many of the, the um, borderline states did not. Right. Tennessee and Kentucky and people mm -hmm. like that in West Virginia, they had not uh, joined. And as a consequence of that, the slaves in those states were still, uh, could be slaves. Yes. In fact, they were slaves. And so, uh, and so that, that was an important distinction that was being made. I don't know that we get fully grasped the challenges that were ahead for Lincoln as he was doing this. But it also speaks to how things are now. It's the economic component of it. It's, it's really about making sure that African Americans and people of brown people are in lower economic positions so they can make money for the capitalists, the people who are in power. Mm -hmm. And so you don't you make sure they don't have good schools, they don't have good jobs. And as a consequence of that they're a lower end of the economic strata. And when you're in a lower end of the economic strata, that means somebody else is making the money. I was just telling young people, the prison system is no accident. It's about keeping people in prison so that you can have full employment for white men. Mm -hmm. You know, if you at 20, you know, man, and you get a prison record or a criminal record, you can't work on right. some of these jobs. That means that others, mainly white men and white women, they can do those jobs. So uh, it's, a, it's a more complicated, structural, systemic issue of racism that exists that people really realize. We used to talk about this as a young guy about, quote, the man. Well, it ain't the man, it's the system. It's the Correct. systemic racism that it does exist. That is no joke, and it exists to this day. Interesting. So then generationally, if we're continuing to, to, to move and grow in this path again, as you said, you've chosen uh, the legal system as your tool. I'm a technologist, so I would say technology is yeah, mine. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we're all looking to sort of move this together, moving right. in a way we're actually trying to live out the true meaning of what it is to be an American citizen, right. an American live free, and have all those powers and responsibilities thereof. Absolutely. I, I think that there's no one way to do it. I always tell people, look, we don't need necessarily more lawyers. We need more people who are doing a lot of different things and who are prepared themselves so they can take advantage and move forward in life without having disabilities or collateral damage that's associated with when you get a criminal record or you get kicked out of school or you get caught with drugs. Those are collateral damage that can prevent you from having certain kind of careers. And so it's important on us to uh, train our kids, to educate our children, to prepare themselves and understand that everybody is not for you. Yes, sir. You have to be for yourself. Yes, sir. And your community is for you. Mm -hmm. But there are forces out here that are designed to keep you from making it. And uh, if you've been successful at a technology, you know that other people you grew up with did not make it. Yes, sir. And they didn't make it, and they may have had as much talent as you, but didn't make it because mm -hmm. a path or so they took. I know in my neighborhood, there are no lawyers in my family, in my neighborhood, you know, and, and I could tell everyone, I said, I said, look, man, don't talk about the best thing that ever happened to a person who died is what they did in high school. I need to know, what did you do after that? What did yes, you do sir. after college? What did you do after that? That's what your life is. It's not what you did in high school or what you did in junior high school. And so these are the kind of lessons we have to teach our kids in order to motivate them. I've trained a lot of lawyers and a lot of people in my office because I want as I said, prepare footprints for people. The footprint is for you to know the way to go so you don't make the same mistakes. And that's our job, you know, as, as adults and as people, leaders who've got careers, who have, have had some success, is to help, is to lift others come forward. I refer to all this as my own role, given my age now, because I'm running a relay. You know, yes, I'm running my leg. Yes, and sir. so I want you to be ready to take my leg in full stride. Yes, Not sir. for me to slow down, 
for yes, you to sir. get the get the baton. I want you to be able to take that time in full stride. So when I step off, you're already running. Indeed. And so that's the fight that we have as, Indeed. as, as African Americans. Indeed. So then it's really about us becoming more educated, not just in the bookish sense of reading the words, but really living out what that really means, right? Because um, I feel that I am part of your race. I feel that I am taking hopefully part of that baton right, and moving it maybe in the path where I'm going, but still moving it forward and advancing in terms of where we need to go. And to that end, you mentioned footprints and sort of what's going on after, you know, after you've been trained, after you had your education. Can you relate some of that to what might be happening out in Antioch right now and sort of some of the some of the things that are going on out there? Yeah, Antioch uh, is an interesting uh, place, one, because as a, as a town, the demographics of that town has changed. It once was was a, a working class white town, mm-hmm. but over the last ten years or so, African Americans from Oakland and San Francisco and Richmond, because of the housing markets and economics, yes. have moved out to these places. Okay, but uh, unfortunately, it has not been well received by the community out there, particularly the local police. And so, what has happened out there is we've had a lot of police misconduct cases. I've had a number of beating cases, death cases, dog bite cases, etc. But now we have the granddaddy of them all. We have a situation now where at least 45 of the officers out of 90 in that department have been involved in sort of a racial bias policing form of activity. Wow. Amongst themselves, on emails and text messages, they're talking about black folks in the most derogatory terms. I haven't seen an N-word used in many different directions since I was a kid. Right. And, and that's just when you're talking on the street. Yes, sir. But that on that, calling people monkeys and animals and um, all kinds of derogatory terms. And the and talking about how you go out, and I, I use one kid's head as a as a football, that I was kicking a field goal and talking about his head. Mm. Or I'd stop people, and, and, and they didn't have any videotape, and I'd get confessions from them even though they didn't confess. Yes, or sir. Or I'd stop them just because they were black. These are the kind of issues that are, are horrible in terms of the... the the fear that it puts in a community and the, and, and the pain that it causes and it undermines their credibility and their sense of, c- of citizenshiphood. And, and that's what's going on. And it's like this is an occupying force that exists out there right. that has these black folks and, and, and poor people essentially in living in fear. And they're ruining their lives. Yes. Because once you get caught in the police situation, rightfully or wrongly, you're in a system where you get a criminal record. Mm-hmm. And you get a criminal record, what does that do? That affects the jobs that you can get. That affects the housing that you may get. That affects whatever you can buy. And so what they've done is destroyed, literally destroyed a community. And so what we're doing is filing lawsuits here and trying to at least get some of those officers, most of them terminated if possible, but also get law and order reinstated within this department. We're going to need uh, a new police, uh, a police enforcement, either by a police chief, but certainly uh, a, a better reform effort. And I, and I hate to use the term reform because reform is a term that everybody uses. That doesn't necessarily get it. But you got to have a real change, and you got to get a sense. Well, these people who committed this, these offenses cannot feel that they have a license to do it, and that they are free to do it. There has to be repercussions for that. There has to be a cost that has to be paid. So hopefully that's going to happen. I mean, my sense is that people are going, some people got to go to jail. A lot of people got to lose their jobs. New people got to get hired. They got to be new training. It's a long-term process. Now, I admit I've been involved in a case like that in Oakland now for 20 years. And I, I, tried to, I started a case in 2000 called the Writer's Case. 
And we have done a lot of good reform and reform that has taken place. But at the same time, we still haven't finished it. Yes, sir. And so I hope that it don't take 20 years for this because I won't have 20 years to do it. But I am going to put all the time in I can. Yeah, let me ask you another question on the other side of that. So you mentioned sort of the consequences and some of the training or the fact that we need new police officers that, are, that sort of understand what their role truly is yeah. versus what's been happening. How, as a community, can we partner with you as a lawyer representing us in that sense so that we're more aware ourselves? How do we become more aware, more engaged? Um, like one of the things when I moved back to Oakland, I think I moved back in 2013, and I, was, um, I started going to some of the, um, just some of the city council meetings. I didn't do that when I used to live in Massachusetts or I lived in D.C. I was, quote, unquote, too busy but didn't realize just how much work happens there and some things that, that happen and take place. How do we make sure as a community that we're engaging? Well, I do think that community itself through protests. Protests, uh, okay. Protesting is very, very important because the squeaky wheel gets the most oil. You have to make the public officials uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You have to feel uncomfortable that, that, that what their job they have, they just can't do it. They got to listen to what the community has to say about it. But the community does have to be involved. You do have to go to city council meetings. You do have to go to board of education meetings. You have to go to subcommittee meetings. And you have to make yourself heard. And then you have to have sort of subcommittees of folks that can then meet and talk about the kind of things you want to change. It can't be a mass meeting. You got to have ideas about what is it you really want to get done. And you have to be willing to work with the public officials to get that done. Because I've had to go and meet, you know, believe it or not, I have to meet with these cops all the time. Right. And I have to meet. We want, to, we want change. Okay, I want this. You want that. Let's see if we can work this out. That takes time. And, and I think that community people going before state public, public legislatures. We've gotten a lot of new bills passed over the last five years because the community itself, through, their rep through, through various members, have gone to the state legislature and asked for certain kind of things. And so changes do, can occur. And it's happening not only in California, it's happening in other states as well. So uh, things can happen, but the community and the public, and, and, and also align itself with social groups or civil rights groups that are trying to do good work. But yes, I know sir. that the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights does good work. They're trying to do good work. ACO subcommittees are trying to do good work. I'm a member of a national group called the National Police Accountability Project. I know we're trying to do good work. There's work being done, and there's always been work that's being done. The problem, of course, is everybody's not going to participate. As I always say, as W.B. Du Bois said, the talented 10 got to take care of the other 90%. Yes, sir. And so, I see it that way as a, as a collaborative building effort on the part of all of us in the community. Fully agreed. Fully agreed. Remember, there's always been warriors. Yes, sir. There's always been warriors. I mean, we didn't get here because of what happened yesterday. It was the day before yesterday and the day before that day and the day before that. I'm going to Alabama tomorrow, and I'm going down to some of the museums there with Fred Gray, who was a civil rights leader who worked, uh, did uh, work for Martin Luther King. Well, he's 90-something years old now. But, but remember, he was a, like a young man in the yes, 1950s and 60s when this was taking place. Right. Well, before him, there were other guys that were doing that. Thurgood Marshall and people like that, and 8th Bill Randolph. And before that, W.B. Du Bois. So there's been people, and those are just the name people. Yes. But remember, the Scottsboro Boys, there were people, there were lawyers fighting for those guys, even though we see it as a, in a textbook. At the time, people were outraged and were protesting about what was taking place amongst those boys. And ultimately, you know, at that point in time, it ultimately, ultimately led the lawyers being involved, and, and some of them were free. 
That's a different climate now. What happened to George Floyd in the, in the protest, that wouldn't have happened 30 years ago. Correct. You know, now, you know, people protest. Well, what happened to Rodney King, when that happened, you know, people were outraged by that. So yes, sir. Times have changed, and there's, there's they think, and we can make change happen by being together and being forceful and making our voice heard. Thank you so much. I just want to say thank you. This is the Juneteenth celebration, the 16th Juneteenth celebration from BH Brilliant Minds. I want to say thank you, Mr. John Burris, for being here and really uh, just giving us a lot of information, informing us just how important Juneteenth is and sort of the, 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 the cultural and historical relevance of it up through today and some of the things that are taking place today. So again, we want to say thank you as the community well, and really you. appreciate you and all that you have done. Sir. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Yes, sir. Stevie G, signing out. All right, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. Big shout out to Stevie G. Thank you for that great and insightful interview with the legendary civil rights attorney, John Burris. And thank you, John Burris. You know, John Burris is out here in Antioch all the time working with uh, families, survivors of police violence and um, some wise words from him. I like the um, particularly when he was talking about um, it's like a relay race and he's been working all this time running his leg and um, what he said about leaving footprints for us to follow so we don't get off the path and he already led the way and we can grab that baton and run our leg. Thank you so much, John Burris, for that. And thank you all. Um, I see some folks donating from out in Antioch. I know you're uh, my people out there, and I really appreciate it um, for stepping up and making a donation. If you'd like to join my folks from Antioch and make a donation right now, now is a perfect time. The number to call if you'd like to call on the phone is 1-800-439-5732. And that you could remember that by remembering 1-800-HEY-KPFA. And the best way to donate for us anyways is if you go to kpfa.org and make a donation online. While you're there, you can also scroll through all the thank you gifts. Of course, we got t-shirts, hoodies, hats, socks, dozens of books, DVDs, including um, of Daniel Ellsberg, who we recently lost. So... Um, check it out on kpfa.org and make a secure donation online. And thank you for that next donation that came in. We're going to try to raise $1,000 in this hour tonight. And right now we're at $200. So if we can get 20 people to do 50 bucks or 10 people to do 100 or um more to do 25 we'll make it to a thousand dollars and um of course i appreciate anything anybody can give at any time let me give out the number one more time 1-800-439-5732 that's 1-800-HEY-KPFA also kpfa.org head over to the website and click on that donate tab and um, browse through the thank you gifts and while you're there browsing take a listen to this next interview because at the West Oakland Juneteenth, the 16th annual uh, BH Brilliant Minds, 
West Oakland, Juneteenth, we run into lots of people. And we just had uh, the legendary uh, civil rights attorney, John Burris. Thank you again, Mr. Burris. Um, but we also ran into some people that were affected by police violence. And next up, we're going to hear Stevie G as he continues to host the Juneteenth event. Um, he's going to be speaking with Geraldine Bluford, and that's Alan Bluford's mom. Alan was killed by the Oakland police in 2012. And just like a lot of families, that sent his family, his parents and um, friends and other family on a mission to change things. So um, I'm going to throw it back to Miss M. Let's check out this interview with uh, Geraldine Bluford from the 16th annual West Oakland Juneteenth Festival. All right, January 24, 2023. It is the 16th annual BH Brilliant Mind Juneteenth celebration out here in West Oakland. Uh, we want to thank BH Brilliant Mind, and uh, they gave out an award to Miss Geraldine Bluford. I'd like to say welcome. Thank you. Thank yes. you so much. Yes, and congratulations on the award. And want to say, um, you know, thank you. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about um, what you're involved with and what's going on in the community here, celebrating Juneteenth. Yes, happy Juneteenth, everyone. Um, my name is Geraldine Bluford, and I am the mother of 18-year-old Alan Dwayne Bluford, who was shot and killed on May 6th of 2012 by an Oakland police officer. And the officer had claimed that it was the fault of the city of Oakland because he suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder from the Iraq war. And since that time, um, we sued the city of Oakland because Allen's civil rights were violated. Uh, they did get say that it was, Nancy O'Malley said it was justified homicide, but she was just trying to pass the buck. You know how they do cover up and conspiracy, but we have, uh, just released recently that the reports showed that they had over 15 policy violations in his murder. So after that time, we have um, formulated the Alan Bluford Foundation, my husband Adam Bluford and I, and we work to help change the narrative and to help heal this community because the city of Oakland has so many people that are hurting and so uh, people that don't have hope because they're losing so many of their loved ones and family members to drug abuse, this fentanyl, this spicy ice weed and uh, the drugs that come in from the ports. We want to change all of that and change the narrative that united we stand and divided we fall. So we also have a community center here in the city of Oakland. It's the Allen Bluford Center for Justice. It's at 2434 Telegraph Avenue and it's a place to help heal the community. I'm also a minister and an evangelist and I do peer counseling. I also work with the National Alliance of Mental Illness in Contra Costa County and I do counseling to help those that are dealing with emotional issues because the narrative for a long time is that we as African Americans we shouldn't tell our business or we suppress our emotions but if you don't deal with your emotions they come out in some kind of way and a lot of times it's the negative way so we're changing the narrative we're doing things to help heal like um, em em um, empower um, to make them 
know that they can do all things through Christ which strengthen them and let them know that there's ways of healing like um, you can do all kinds of things um, healing and meditation I myself Stevie found a relationship with God and and the Bible says that he'll heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds so I just believe that God is using me um, instrumentally to help those like myself, those mothers that are grieving the loss of their children, those mothers that are afraid of what's going to happen to their sons and daughters out there, those uh, young women that are accepting human trafficking or have no way of getting out. We have to stop this um, narrative of everything is bad and stand together as a community because united we stand and divided we fall the city of oakland is powerful we have ancestors like huey p newton we have uh i just met lionel wilson's son who was here at the event and it was so different when his father was the mayor we had ron dellums we had the power of the people and we're reclaiming our voice that's what we're working on. Indeed. Well, thank you. And thank you for your passion. Thank you. You know, I'm so sorry to hear about how this how this has happened. Um, what can what can we do as a community to help support the Alan Bluford Foundation? How do we get involved? How do we uh, make contact? Uh, how do we reach out to you? I mean, it sounds like you've got things going on. You've got website and some social media ways for us to contact and reach out absolutely our website is www.theallenbluefortfoundation.org and you can contact me via the website we also have facebook which is geraldine brown blueford on facebook or the allen blueford center for justice and also you know i am a phone call away a lot of times, if you look me up, I have Twitter. Everybody calls me Mama J. Um, I lost a son, but I've gained a lot of kids who don't have moms or don't have aunt. They have, it, like I said, I just was speaking to a young African-American, 18-year-old, and he said, they killed your son? Man, I don't stand a chance. And so there, we have to reach out, and the doors are always open. We're doing healing and meditation. We try to implement lately our new um, exercise program because stretching, for me, dancing is a part of healing. And so when you dance, it kind of just burns off those endorphins, and we want to do that. Uh, we were reaching out to the youth. It's a big thing. Like, we used to have so much... Uh, baseball was an essential part of East Oakland. We had Bip Roberts. We had Ricky Henderson. Uh, and now we don't have that. It's so small, it's just drizzled way down. So we want to formulate a league that's affordable and free for the children and get people involved again because the fields are all overgrown. Baseball is one of the highest played uh, sports occupations. But our communities are trying to get our boys to play football and they're getting concussions and it's costing five, $600. What? We can't do that. But we are trying to do things to empower this community, change the narrative, go to city councils and, and, and talk and vote and just do things because they've just tried to just steal our hope. They just tried to take us down and we got to stand, we got to rise up. So we're here at the Allen Bluefer Foundation and the Allen Bluefer Center for Justice and we will rise because the ground is no place for the champion.
Is there an age range that you that you you all deal with when you're dealing with some of the some of the young people or whoever is in need whoever is in need Alan's birthday is December 20th of 1993 is when he was born so five days before Christmas and we can't give presents so each year we have a big toy drive and we give toys to the community for families who are in need or for kids who has lost loved ones we're also implementing a um, adopt a family where my husband is spearheading because the, if you have some uh, your parent is incarcerated who's the advocate for that kid who's in foster care who's the advocate for that kid to make sure they're signed up for after school who's the advocate to make sure that they have the books and the school supplies Oakland Unified School District shame on you there should be books for every student there should not be where one side of the freeway gets all the benefits and the funding and the other side of the freeway get none we're changing the the narrative here in Oakland. Right, right. My gosh, so you mentioned going to city council member meetings, and I assume the same with the county, the county supervisor meetings as well, and any type of state interactions that you all have at this point, or? Yes. Well, I, I also work with a global organization called Mothers Against Police Brutality, and in, in April uh, this year, I spoke and testified for the Human Rights Division of the United Nations because they are looking at all the poverty, all the uh, mistreatment and uh, social justice problems that we have with African Americans and I was able to testify before them and tell my story of how Alan was murdered and how you know it is his human right not to be accosted or stopped or placed under arrest he didn't do anything and for the police officers to just get a, a free ticket and just go away and so they are writing up recommendations right now to serve to the United States of America that they do something about what is going on in this because we can't here in the states you know how they're passing the buck you know how they won't stand up against the police you know how they say oh well we uh, we support the police well look we know we need police I'm not against all the police but I'm against the police that do wrong and break the law just like the police Oakland police that broke the law and wrecked the car and stole money and shot the uh, firearm on the job if you did that at KPFA you would not be working here so the Oakland needs to change the United States of America needs change and we've got to change this narrative we've got to do better as a people definitely definitely and hold people accountable yes, as you mentioned absolutely as you mentioned Wow. So how do we, um, again, support, um, you know, when you have these events that happen in, in, in the city council, is there a way which the community can help support you in that? Is it showing up? Is it? Yes, we we work with a lot of um, organizations here. And so when one organization, see, if we support each other, all of us get support. So when there's a city council like the vote for the police budget, all us organizations need to come and we all need to sit and share our voice. So people like ATPT, people like Alan Bluefer Foundation, people like victims of uh, police, Vic, um, VPC, uh, all the different organizations we have to unite see our narrative is to use 
They use the media, they use uh, one another to come against and divide and conquer. But we have to come together. So when I have an event, I share it with other organizations. I put it on our social media platforms. I do word of mouth. I'll go hand out flyers and whatever it takes, you just got to do it. And it's all about the boots on the ground. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And we want to say thank you again and your presence and your ability to be here today. Again, this is the 16th annual Juneteenth celebration from BH Brilliant Minds. Um, and uh, I know you've been an award recipient today. Yes. That's fantastic. It's an honor. And here we are at KPFA 94.1 FM. This is a First Voice Media production. Your guest host, Stevie G, is here talking with Geraldine Blueford. Mama J. Mama J. Mama J. From the Allen Blueford Foundation, want to say thank you so much for spending some time with us and sharing with us your story, the story of your son. Thank you. And how we need to be more proactive and progressive in how we're dealing with uh, our community and the infrastructure of the police and what's going on. Thank you, Stevie, for having me. And thank you for your voice and everything that KPFA is doing. And it's all power to the people. All God power bless to you. The people. Thank you. God bless. All right. Again, thank you. A big shout out to Stevie G for holding it down at the 16th annual BH Brilliant Minds Juneteenth Festival. And he was speaking with Geraldine Blueford, who's working hard like a lot of families um, after her son was killed by the Oakland police in 2012. Real quick, you're listening to Full Circle on 94.1 FM. KPFA, also KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And again, a big shout out to Stevie G, of course, to Geraldine Blueford as well for, you know, having the heart and the soul um, to continue on to do the kind of work that she's doing at the Alan Blueford Foundation. And she's just one of hundreds, thousands of moms. I could think right now of Catherine Wade, Cassandra Quinto, Ton Hall, Wanda Johnson, Sandra Talbert, Denica Chapman, all these moms, these heartbroken moms that turned that into something beneficial for the community, something beneficial for us who had nothing even to do to know these people before but now they're they're out there helping the greater community and from a, a devastating loss to them. So a shout out to the moms and a shout out um, to all the work that you do. And of course, the rest of the families, you know, they're always there in the background when they can be um, or even in the foreground doing the work. So I was doing a special shout out to the moms, but of course, to to all the family members, um, whether you're doing the work or not, you know, you need to be um, acknowledged. And again, a quick reminder, we're trying to raise a thousand dollars tonight in this hour. We're at four hundred and twenty five right now. Um, big shout out to Antioch because Antioch's been coming up big. But we also got a donation from Las Vegas and Berkeley and Oakland. So um, keep it up. Where's Concord? Uh, Walnut Creek, Lafayette. I'm going to go all the way to Berkeley on my commute. Um, Orinda. And uh, what about San Francisco? Can you uh, get a donation online? Head on over to kpfa.org and click on that donate tab. And um, show us some love here at Full Circle 
for um, not only getting out to the Juneteenth every year, the BH Brilliant Minds Juneteenth. I don't even know how many years right now we've been doing that, but at least five or six. But not only getting out there and setting up and doing these interviews, but look at these great interviews Stevie G did. He got um, Gerilyn Bluford, and she shared you know, from the heart about what she's doing for her work. You never heard an interview like John Burris like you did with Stevie G all about Juneteenth where he reflected with his legal expertise backed on the um, the the amendments to the Constitution and what Juneteenth actually meant to African-Americans. So um, if you can, if you can make a donation to this station tonight to keep this kind of work going, um, please do it and show some love for this hour full circle. Um, that's ran by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I got my training at KPFA in 2005 till 2007. I never knew about producing radio or hosting on air or fundraising to keep the station alive, but here I am. So again, we got to get to our next piece in just a minute. If you could Help us reach our $1,000 goal. Uh, we just got another donation from Antioch. Thank you so much. We're up to $545 right now trying to reach a $1,000 goal. You know what? And it um, makes my heart feel real good to see that um, Antioch comes out uh, for me when I get on the air. And even Las Vegas here. Thank you, Full Circle, Frank Sterling, and the whole team. You know, it um, feels good to know that the work is appreciated. And uh, why I got you on the line, head over to First Voice, um, head over to uh, First Voice Media on Facebook sometime and not only like and follow that, but check out the work we're doing there. We're trying to live stream all these events that we can. And so you're not just getting the sound bite from an event. You're not just getting one little clip. You could watch the whole entire thing. So check that out and then... Um, Keep showing your love for Full Circle and for KPFA. And um, again, if you can make a donation, the phone number is 1-800-439-5732. And you can remember that by remembering 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Um, but also, like I've mentioned a couple times already, head online to kpfa.org. That's an easier way for us to collect a donation and we don't have to go through a call center. And also you could browse through lots of thank you gifts there. You can get uh, books, DVDs, um, hoodies, uh, KPFA swag, bags. Um, check it out, kpfa.org. I'm going to shoot over uh, back to Miss M. We're going to get this last piece on the air. So we've been listening to audio from the 16th annual BH Brilliant Minds Juneteenth um, organized by uh, Barbara Howard. And Barbara is all over running around and um, on the day of her event. She's on stage. She's sending us people that won her award to uh, get interviewed. Um, she's helping out with little problems. Um, so this year, she actually didn't come by and sit down at the table. Um, but next up, we do hear part of an archive segment where Stevie G, who hosted it before, talks with Barbara Howard. She is the founder of BH Brilliant Minds, and she puts on the West Oakland Juneteenth uh, Festival every year. So sending it back to Miss M, let's check out Barbara Howard, and we'll be right back. 
So how did you get involved oh, with this? Yeah, wow, step wow, back. Wow. Let's step back a little bit. Tell okay. me, actually, give me a little bit of information about you yourself. So oh. what brought you into this line of work and, and, and how you felt that connection? And then go from there and let's segue okay. into how you were connecting with this opportunity here. Got it. So my father, we had our own business in San Francisco. And that's the Wendy's Cheesecake Bakery. And we've been in business for over 40 years. Wow. So I was brought up in serving my community. And I used to work at the uh, Urban, Urban Services YMCA right across the street. Mm -hmm. And Pastor Larry Austin is my pastor today. And I asked him when I was working there, can I do something for our community? And he said, yes. It was a call that God gave me and I had to deliver. You know, so I couldn't sleep without making a difference in my community. And I appreciate you guys being here. I'm grateful and honored. Oh, yeah. We like to do this. This is, this is all for the community. This is 94.1 KPFA FM. And this is First Voice Media making sure that we are out here supporting the community and doing what we do. Well, look, you got me speechless. <laughs> and I'm normally not speechless, okay. but hey. Okay. Okay, okay. I'm with it. And I'm, you are a part of the community. Okay. You know, we hear you. On, on the radio and on the air, and just to be in your presence now, mm -hmm. it feels good to me. All right. Well, that's good. That's so good to hear. So when you say look back um, and share a little bit about myself, I am a community leader, and I'm an activist for, for the youth and for small businesses. I am the one that fought the Port of Oakland okay. when we were in Jack London Village. So mm -hmm. I stepped up and I... The city, the Oakland, and the whole nine, I had to fight for the, the merchants that was down in Jack London Square. Fantastic. And one of the things that you mentioned, and I've, I heard this again from John Burris earlier, mm. is the connection to the ancestors, Ooh. the connection to the family. Yes. And so speak on that and how you've tried to now bring that into your work as well. Wow. You're going to make me cry because if it wasn't for my father and my mother, um, inspiring us and encouraging us to make sure, like I said before, you take care of your community. And families first. Mm -hmm. You know, my sisters, you'll see them, they're out there modeling, they're out there running around, and we work together as a team. It's three of us now. Our baby sister passed away with pancreas cancer oh, at 34. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, it's family coming together and extended family, uh, bringing folks in like you guys. So now you are part of our family and us being able to work together. But that was what my father um, installed in us and my mother is that you have to it's a must that you serve your community and we want to make sure that we continue to do that and afford the opportunity for uh, those in the community to speak speak yeah. for themselves oh my god and let them know and let the rest of the community know what they're doing yes and what we all need to do to kind of come together that's right so how would we connect with you how would the community now that now that you've had this type of an event what are the opportunities for other people to get involved, maybe to help you with this event? Or well, maybe thank you. Or maybe in pursuing some other opportunities. What can be done? Well, they can go to our actual website. Okay. And it's BH Brilliant Minds Project. That's BH Brilliant Minds Project, Inc. But it's uh, www.bhbrilliantminds.org. So they can pull that up and they can um, look at our website and all of the information is there. My telephone number is 510-435-1077. They can contact me with that information. And my web, my non, oh, Jesus, I am so tired. You have to, thank you. My personal email is Barbara 
Howard 47 at Comcast.net. And we would appreciate folks coming in and, and being a part of our actual Juneteenth family. All right. Thank you so much, and thank you for the opportunity again, because when it comes to Juneteenth, this is about as much family as it can get. You know, and that's what the today was about, too. Each time I do any events, because I do so many, and um, as I said before, I am a community leader. I do a Phenomenal Woman event. I do circles. I do uh, Black History celebrations. I do it all. Okay, and BH is Begin Healing? Begin, begin Healing. Begin Healing Brilliant, Brilliant Minds. Mind. Yes, and you know, how we started our actual nonprofit is that my son knows I like the little fortune cookie, little things going on. And one day, this is how God works and how our ancestors work. He wrote something on a paper and he said, brilliant minds. And I was like, brilliant minds? I'm like, and he was only 10. Mm. So we were having a conversation, we were doing something. And then he says, mom, this is for you. And when he gave that to me, God says, tuck that, keep that. And ever since when I started thinking about doing a nonprofit, it all came together. And I was like, begin healing brilliant minds. Gotcha. This works. And my nails. Yeah, Everybody. I was going to ask you. I was going to make that the last question. But <laughs> well, since ahead, you started, we're going to segue go ahead, right go into that. Go so let's go into that now. Because when I first met you on the street back over here up yes. a little bit, yes, and we were yes. trying to find a spot where to yes. go. And they said, well, look for her in the blue. I said, they should have said, look for the nails. <laughs> And you know, that's what people uh, would say if they don't know who I am. They're like, Miss Howard, the one with the long fingernails, yeah. long fingernails. <laughs> so my nails, I've been growing them for over 30 years. And they are a testament from where God's brought me from. And most importantly is that I don't let people limit me in what they say I can do. Mm -hmm. So the nails is to show the youth that they can do whatever they set their minds to do and don't let nobody stop them. And that's what Miss Howard is about, and about encouraging, motivating, and inspiring folks to be all that they can be. You know, because you only got one life to live. What are you going to do while you're here? Mm -hmm. How can you be a part of change in your community, in, in this world? And a lot of people think we have to do it on a big old grand scale. But no, just do a little something different in your community. And one thing you could do easy is say hello to people. Smile right. at them. Right, right. And Greet be consistent. Them. And be consistent, and be consistent with consistent. that. Right? Well, look, I want to say thank you again. Thank you for all you've been doing in the community and what you've thank done, you. especially today. This is just such a beautiful, wonderful today. And event again, this is uh, 94.1 FM KPFA, uh, First Voice Media coming out here and being with uh, Ms. Ms. Barbara Howard. That's right. Uh, uh, hosting this fantastic event of uh, Begin Healing Brilliant Minds. Yes. And this opportunity is just amazing. The event and the day is beautiful. And we really want to thank you for spending some time with us. And thank you so much. And our ancestors have smiled on us today. Yes, indeed so they have. They are here. Yes, they have. And yes, I felt their presence. I feel their presence. And as long as they are satisfied, I'm all right. Thank you. All right. I know we're just about out of time. Um, Big shout out to everybody who donated. Mike out in Pittsburgh, uh, Berkeley, Oakland, Las Vegas. Thank you all. If you can get a chance to donate uh, before we go out right now, 1-800-439-5732 or kpfa.org. Shout out to Mickey on the board. Um, this is Pueblo and Franklin. Stay tuned for La Onda Bajita, everyone. Good night. <laughs>